Blessed are the peacemakers, but they shall be called the children of God. Yet again, we hear another saying of Jesus that has been misunderstood and misused over the years. What exactly does it mean to make peace? Hello and welcome to Pick Up Your Bible with Cynthia Palomani. Today, Cynthia continues her series on the Beatitudes by going in-depth into what Jesus means when he says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Let's listen in. The Beatitudes Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, verse 9 When studying the Beatitudes, it's important to remember that this list is not depicting means by which to achieve all the blessings God has in store for you. Rather, this list is the necessary attitudes of a believer that exhibit their citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and is proof of their status as children of God. So I hope at the end of this eight-week series, we don't walk away with just a receiving attitude, but a mission attitude. Relationship with God, as we saw in the first four Beatitudes, is penultimate. No amount of good works can buy you a position before God. The only way to enter is by the Spirit let humbling before Him and receiving from Him. What Jesus is telling His disciples to have ears to hear is that our relationship with God then affects our relationships with others. We are now agents of mercy, purity, and peacemaking. And as I love to mention repeatedly, the listed sequence is intentional. In mercy and with purity, we are now peacemaking agents. Not peacekeeping, but peacemaking. What's the difference? I believe this verse is not about keeping peace with the family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, etc. This kind of peacekeeping is described by Paul in Romans 12, verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Peacekeeping relates to us the need to withhold vengeance, anger, and pettiness when it comes to the relationships in our lives. And no doubt, even though we can only control our response in these relationships, that response matters. However, my understanding is that the peacemaking attribute that imitates our Father in Heaven, as described in the Beatitudes, is the act of bringing reconciliation between God and man. I believe this Beatitude describes the gospel mission of the believer. It depicts our role in bringing peace between the created and the Creator by spreading the good news of the Messiah. As children of God, our mission is to go about our Father's business, and He is in the business of restoring His creation unto Him. And we are back with Cynthia to what is, Cynthia, I believe, the second last episode of the Beatitude series. And I have been very bad at counting on this, but Cynthia, tell me I'm right this time. You're right. Okay. All right. right. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're talking about peacemakers. And this verse, I'm sure for those of you who are listening, who are not in, you know, the Christian faith tradition, 
you have heard of this verse because this has been used everywhere. I believe this verse has been used at the United Nations in multiple speeches over the years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a very powerful verse. I mean, no matter what point of view you're looking at it from. And Cynthia, I believe that you sort of, you know, I mean, I could tell from the reading that you had a little bit of a different take on it, right? I do. Mm, yeah. And it's not like you particularly had a different take on it. I mean, this is something that a lot of believers over the years, over Christian church history, have also kind of come alongside you and taken the same view as well. So uh, let's get right to the question. So, I mean, my first question actually has to do, has a lot to do with that. It's over the decades, you know, many have taken this verse to mean literal peace between nations, as in blessed are those that bring peace during conflicts or wars, etc. You know, why can't it mean that as well? So during his time with the disciples and through scripture, Jesus repeatedly reminds us, his followers, that there will be wars and mm. conflict and familial hatred and tension, right? Mm. Until his second return. Mm. It says in um, 13 verse 7 that Matthew 13 verse 7, that when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do mm. not be alarmed. This must take place. Mm. So Jesus has foretold that this is the sign of the end times of the world. Mm. In Matthew 10, verse 34, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. Mm. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wow. For I've come to set a man against his father, and daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. You know, what Jesus is saying here is that the people of the world are divided. There are people who see him, accept him, and follow him. And then there are those that turn away from God. And this is the root cause of much of the conflict we see, even among brothers, right? So this mm. lack of peace among people, families, countries, it's not a behavioral or a dynamics or even a political issue. It's a heart issue that's mm. solved only through through each heart knowing its place before God and through that knowing its place with the other hearts around it, right? Mm. It's not that Jesus and his followers do not long for world peace or, you know, any kind of peace, but this is, according to the word of God, a future peace that we can expect upon his return. Mm. You know, when he returns, the, the very presence of evil is vanquished and every knee will bow mm -hmm. and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So yes, peace between nations is a result of the gospel and each mm -hmm. follower of Christ is assigned with this mission of spreading the gospel. You know, right. peace is God doesn't just pro proclaim peace upon untransformed hearts, you know, mm. peace is worked out through salvation and we're privy to this through the word of God. And so our confidence is placed in this hope of future peace that will come with Jesus's return. And in the meantime, we take up the responsibility as followers to spread the word of Jesus Christ, um, yeah. and the gospel. That's awesome. And just like you said, even though that peace is in the future, I don't want it to seem like 
that piece is not all it's not as real or yeah it's also as real as the piece we're talking about here because Jesus does promise that future hope as well for us as believers that you know we will be in a time of peace between people you know i, I think the bible says the wolf and the lamb shall graze together you know in isaiah yes. as a mark yes. of that future hope as well yeah this is so i i think the amazing thing is we know it's coming and we mm. know when it's coming yeah so it, there's not this great even though there's this longing for peace mm-hmm. and world peace, we know the process that needs to happen to get there. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think finding our role in how we participate in this process mm-hmm. is what we find in this verse and God's call to to take a part in this process. So, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you also go into the differences between peacemaking and peacekeeping, which I thought was very interesting. So let's do that one more time, just in case our listeners kind of missed that when you were talking about it. But if I understand you correctly, you think that both are valued by God, but that in this context, it's peacemaking that's crucial. So can you kind of go in more, a little bit more in depth into that? Yeah, absolutely. I do believe both are valued by God immensely, mm. but only in their true form, right? And true peace can only exist in hearts that are Mm. transformed by the Spirit. A heart that has found peace with God, has found true peace with God, will naturally be at peace in its horizontal relationships. Mm. Because we we can see people for who they are in God. We can see them as God's creation. You know, it's not just it's not just in this context that peacemaking is the focus. I believe peacemaking is essential is essential to peacekeeping. So one has to happen first, mm. right? In making peace with God, we can find peace with fellow beings. Mm. You know, it doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. If we try to just keep peace, that's that's like that's behavior modification, right? Mm. We we're trying to enforce it, but we never truly experience it. You know, it's like racism or abuse or domestic violence, you know, these kind of things where we have rules in place to protect us. Mm -hmm. And so we can, we can control behavior that way. And you feel like you've achieved peace in the family or peace in the society. But what happens when someone decides not to follow those rules? Right. Right. We see this every day, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to keep peace without a true source of of peace is simply behavior modification. Mm-hmm. And it's the only solution for a world without God. But for followers of Christ, we don't live as the world does. Right. You know, God's not about behavior modification. He's about heart transformation. And forced behavior is just a facade and God's not interested in facades. And the truth is you can't keep that which you don't have. Right. Mm-hmm. You, if you, it's like holding a, a fistful of sand, you know, and the tighter you try to keep, the more you lose and you can't source it, Mm -hmm. you know, and with the heart transformed by the gospel and that's made right with God. Now the Holy Spirit is a source of this peace. Mm. You know, Jesus has said that we shouldn't be alarmed by uh, war or rumors of war and that we should expect that this is the condition of the world until it's rec- reconciled with God. Yeah. And when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, 
why do we assume he's expecting from us the very thing he told us not to expect? Mm -hmm. Don't expect for there to be peace yet, right? So I believe that through the spirit and the peace we of God, we get to experience it. And our role in the interim is to is to tell others of this peace they can find when their hearts are reconciled with God. So let me ask you my last question, which is kind of a follow-up on this. Would you say then that peacemaking is literally sharing the gospel? I would. Okay. In Colossians 1, verse 19 and 20, we uh, read how God the Father made peace with men through Jesus Christ. Mm. So let me read that verse here again. It's sure. Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. For in him, which is Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Mm. So this is where I get my definition of making peace as being reconciled with God, Mm. right? The most imperative role we will ever play as children of God and the only true peacemaking role we can play is to share the good news, but not just in word, right? Mm. Also in action, in word by sharing the gospel with others and indeed by living peaceably with those around us, because this is a fruit of the spirit. There should be conformity between our words and our deeds, right? If the message with our mouth is of this peace we find when we're reconciled with God, and then we, you know, we're not living that out in our life through the Holy Spirit, that message is, it's void, you know, it's of no meaning. If we mumble and grumble about our lives and our marriages and our coworkers, our friends, our country, you know, so on. I would say this is evidence of this lack of, in our own lives, that we haven't found peace uh, with God. The second part of the verse says that peacemakers are sons of God. Mm. Conversely, those who cannot or do not practice, you know, this peacemaking, gospel sharing, and living out the fruits of the spirit in their life, the fruit of the spirit in their lives, you know, that's evidence of not being Hmm. sons of God, according to the word. So it's something to take seriously, right? (laughs) I would say that, I would say that of all the Beatitudes is like a checklist, right? It says, blessed is this person, uh, you know, who is poor in spirit or meek because they are sons of God or theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's almost telling us this is the kind of person who is the son of God. This Mm. is the kind of person that will be in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. So we can look at it and see if we are, if the condition of our heart And if the condition of our life is not matching up, this is like a red flag for us, you know, that we need to resubmit and re and make sure our heart is in the right place. Because if we are filled, we read in Beatitudes, the fourth Beatitude, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is a natural condition you are in after the first three Beatitudes, God is filling you. Till satisfaction. When he, and when he fills you, that's what should be coming out of you. 
Wow. And if and we are not perfect and mm-hmm. we are not, you know, we're not without sin. So not that this we suddenly look like God, but it should be a constant surrender on our mm-hmm. part. And we should be it should be happening so purposefully, you know, intentionally. It doesn't, you know, you don't wake up and just, you know, automatically function in the spirit. Right. So right. long as we're in these bodies, it has to be intentional that you're surrendering your flesh and your desires and your natural responses to what's happening around you to the spirit so that the spirit can act in mercy and uh, purify your heart and be doing this peacemaking of reconciling the world with God and sharing that good news. So, you know, we can do it. There is a way that there is sons and daughters of God look a certain way, act a certain way, uh, behave a certain way, and are being transformed a certain way. Mm. And all of this is in the Word of God. And so it's not like we're wandering around, you know, wondering what it should look like. Uh, We know what it should look like. And so we can hold on to that and, you know, be surrendered to it. That's great. Yeah. What's interesting is that this whole thing, you know, if you read it one way, it's actually very hopeful. It, it reads like a list of promises, but then listening to you, it, the Beatitudes start to sound like challenges almost. It almost mm-hmm. starts to sound like, wow, this is, you know, is this in my life right now? Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're, sometimes when you're used to reading the Bible as like, oh, this is, you know, I'm looking for blessings. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Mm-hmm. You have a tendency to read verses, even like the Beatitudes in a certain way. But then when you re-examine it, right, and you look at it as someone that now you're a child of God, now is this happening in your, there is, how do I say this? There's a little bit of a burden. It's a little mm-hmm. bit more challenging now, you know, mm-hmm. not that it should, it still should give us hope, but you know, it's a twofold thing. It's challenging yet hopeful. So. Yes. Yeah. And it's hopeful because, you know, all it takes is surrender. Mm. This is the thing about the Christian life, right? It's not, it's burdensome only when it has to come out of you. Mm. Oh, I have to be forgiving. I have. And when you forget or you don't consider the fact that the Holy Spirit is living within you, this is the mark of a Christian, right? Is walking in the Spirit. He is the one who is doing it all. Mm -hmm. We there's just one thing that the Christian is called to do. It's surrender to the Spirit. He will do everything else. Right. Right. And in that surrendering, you are transformed. Mm. You know, and I think if we could wrap our mind and our actions and our thoughts around that and kind of solidify and keep to that Christian life is yeah, this is all blessings because right. it doesn't matter what my wretched heart or flesh is dealing with. Right. If I choose and if I surrender to live in the spirit, you know, it takes that burden part of it away. Yeah. But it, like you said, it's a challenge to do that. And that's what the word of God does. It reminds us that, hey, you're not okay on your own. Mm-hmm. Remember that God is perfect. God is good. God is just. Along with his mercy and grace, God has this abundance of characteristics that have to we have to be reconciled with. 
and which can only happen through the Holy Spirit. And it's so freely given, right? It's not that God says, oh, uh, you're a Christian and do this and this and you'll get the Holy Spirit. And then it's like this Mm. free ticket. It's freely given when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the way God has made for you to be one with him. Is that he gives you his Holy Spirit to live within you. And that's just the beauty of the gospel, right? It's so, it, it should blow our mind over yeah. and over again that, wow, there's really no part we play other than surrender. Yeah. And, wow. um, and we can all do that. Yeah. He helps us even in that. You know? so, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's awesome. That's so wonderful. So, yeah. So we just wrapped up on the Beatitudes, the portion of the peacemakers. So, Cynthia, would you let us know what do we have for next week? The very last Beatitude, and probably the hardest, it's Mm. blessed are the persecuted. Mm. Um, That should be a very interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm absolutely excited to hear that. Thank you again, Cynthia, for another wonderful reading from the series. And for you listeners, thank you again for listening to this week's episode. Remember that there's always a new episode every Wednesday. And as always, you can stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast and then turning on your notifications so that you always know when the next episode comes out. If you'd like to ask Cynthia a question or offer suggestions on a future episode topic, please email her at Cynthia at pickupyourbible.com. And listeners, May you experience the knowledge, wisdom, and love of God as you join us and pick up your Bible. Until next time, God bless you.